I'm going to wrap it up today. And I ask you that question because it talks about a book. And today, my whole message and teaching is going to focus on God's Word in the Bible. So that's how we kind of relate the book part to it. But uh, I'm going to have a brief word of prayer, and then we're going to dig into God's Word, okay? Hey, Father, um, over the next 30 minutes or so, I pray that you would just help me to be used as your mouthpiece. And um, it's not that I have any great insight or I'm uh, any better than anyone in this room. You've just given me the task of trying to uh, teach and to share your word. And it's the power of your word and the truth of your word that uh, helps us learn and changes our lives and convicts us. And so we welcome you and ask you to do that in this place. In Christ's name, amen. I have to admit to you uh, something since we're going to confess here, or at least I'm going to confess. I am horrible at following directions. I am really, really bad at directions or instructions. Maybe I should say that, instructions. Um, If we ever get anything at our house that needs to be put together, I will do everything that I can to put it together before I will pull out the instructions and read the instructions. You can call it pride. You can call it stupidity, stubbornness. I don't know exactly what it is. I just know it's this fault that I have. About 15 years ago, we got a swing set for my daughter, Lyric, and she was our first child. So we had a house. We had our first child. It was my job as the dad to put the swing set together in the backyard. So it was one of those deals where you go to Lowe's and you you buy it. And I think, Chad, you got a picture of of instructions, something like this. And so I'm like, I'm looking at the picture and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. No problem. So they dump this huge mound of lumber and things at my house and I'm in my backyard you know, looking at it, trying to put it together. And I'm thinking in one evening, I'll have this thing up and then my beautiful daughter will just be swinging and she'll think her dad is great. And I think it's about the fifth night that I'm still on this thing, realizing that I've got, you know, I get it about three-fourths together and then I look and realize that the parts that I need, I've already installed and I'd use them for something else that I'm supposed to use them for. And so I'd have to take the whole thing back apart and, and do it. And uh, it, was a, it was a complete mess. And um, the reason I tell you that story is because most of us in life have a lot of frustrations in our lives. A lot of things that we do and we, we neglect because I think we fail to look at God's word as an instruction manual. And we have the instruction manual. We just fail to read it, to open it up, to look at it, to believe it, to follow it. And so therefore we go through life kind of stumbling and running, beating our heads against the wall and running into these different issues where we could save ourselves a lot of time if we would have opened up God's word. Because this morning what I want us to focus on is in a very important part of discovering God's will for our lives is being involved and into God's word and opening it up and reading it and becoming familiar with it and letting the truth that is in it speak to us. So the main point of what we're gonna talk about today is that God's word is the source for divine guidance. It's God's word. It comes from the Bible. It's it's his way of sharing divine guidance. And so as we're looking for God's will, as we're looking for this plan, as we have these questions, and two weeks ago I asked you to write a question down, When we fail, we try to look for the answer to that question without God's word, we are missing a huge component of how God works. The problem, though, is that we, not that we don't have access to God's word. You understand that for thousands of years, people lived and really had very little access to God's word. Back in the Old Testament, they had 
the, the priests would have the Old Testament. Only the priests could read the Old Testament. It wasn't accessible to anyone. For thousands of years in culture, we, we didn't have a printing press. So maybe a church would have a version of God's word, a Bible, but people didn't have it. Then we invented the printing press. Then we had Bibles. And now you go to a hotel room and every hotel room has a Bible in it. And then the internet was invented. And now we have Bibles on our smartphones. We have them on our tablets. We have them on our computers. So the problem that we have with God's word is not a lack of access to it. We are like oversaturated with access. We have access all over the place. And if we could explain that to our forefathers who had to only had one Bible at their church or had to memorize scripture because they didn't have access to it, they would not understand perhaps what I would call our laziness towards God's word of not knowing it, not reading it, not accessing it. Have you ever spent any time with someone who is a computer whiz? like totally knows computers, like makes you feel really small because you have viruses and your email won't work and all those things. And they know how to do that and they can like work all that stuff out and it makes, it makes sense. And, and you're like going, I don't know how you do this. And you hand them your computer and they type in something and they hand it back to you and you're like, dude, what did you just do? How did you do that? Well, anyone that you know like that, that, that knows computers really well, usually they know them because maybe they have a knack for it, but they've spent lots of time with their computer. They understand how it works. They know what happens and they know if you have this problem, there's a set of things that they can go through and problem solve and figure it out and get it to work because they've spent time and they understand and they've learned it. Now the same thing applies to our knowledge of God's word. Many times we feel like we don't know God's word. We're kind of clueless. We don't know where to begin. And most of that comes from the fact that we've not cracked it open, that we've not spent any time reading it, that we've not studied it, that we've not learned it, that we've not memorized parts of it, that we've not spent any time. So we carry around our Bibles, we put our Bibles on the nightstand, we put them on the coffee table, we put them on the dashboard of our car, but we often don't read our Bibles. And that's kind of messed up if you think about it. As we're trying to discover God's will for our lives, our neglect for opening up God's word that is right in front of us kind of from God's point of view, how, how would or why would he dispel his will to us and make it known and yet we have this source that we don't open up? And so you can't wirelessly or through osmosis like understand God's word. It doesn't just happen that way. It happens through opening up and reading it. So my goal today is to challenge you to understand God's will by opening up your Bible and simply reading it. And I want to dig into God's word and I'm going to point out five reasons why I want to challenge you today that you need to be a part of God's will by reading the Bible and opening up. So there's five different things we're going to look at. We're going to have different passages that are going to be up on the screen. So you can either follow along if you brought a Bible or I'll have it up on the screen for you. So there's a relationship between God's will and the Bible. Okay, so we established that. So here's the first reason that I think you need to be reading your Bible is because reading the Bible connects you to God's wisdom. Reading the Bible connects you to God's wisdom. So we're going to look at a passage in Isaiah 55. So if you brought a Bible and you want to turn there, the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Without knowing and reading and following God's word, we are really living our life on our own. Okay, we're simply living our life on our own. You are following your own judgments, your own perceptions, your own feelings, and your own guidance. And they have a word for that. It's called humanism. 
when you basically believe that you can figure out everything on your own and you're smart enough to figure out your own destiny. And some in our culture believe that people are self-sufficient, that there's no God, that there's no higher power. But as a pastor of this church, I want you to believe without a doubt, I believe that there's a higher power and, and that when we read God's word, God speaks to us reveals his will to us, and it's a way that we connect to our Heavenly Father. God's word gives you access, access to his thoughts, his feelings, and his advice. So the creator of the universe is there, because left on our own, we will not think like God thinks. Now, it would be great to think that we could do that, that we could figure out and we could think like God thinks, but left on our own, we don't do that. I want you to look at the passage now in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. Let's follow this. It'll be up on the screen. Here's what Isaiah writes. Or this is actually God speaking. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Because I'm not God, I don't think like God. I don't have God's wisdom. But when I read God's word, I get connected with God's wisdom because naturally I don't think like God. So in terms of technology, when I connect to God's word, it's like being online. It's like being connected. It's like being in the network. It's like, it's like it, it starts connecting. I am tapping into the source. So reading your Bible connects you to God's wisdom. Second reason I want to challenge you to read God's word is that reading the Bible reveals to you God's truth. If you want to follow along today, I should have mentioned this earlier. On the back of our purple sheets, we have an outline today, and some of this is on there if that makes it a little simpler. But um, reading the Bible reveals to you God's truth. Our world is in constant pursuit of truth. I mean, we are always looking for truth. The problem is in our world, in our culture, we actually look for truth in a lot of sources that don't really have the truth, but they have kind of maybe a, a portion of the truth, are part of the truth. So, where do we find the truth? I mean, where do we know what is truth? What is right? What is wrong? What is unchanging? I mean, do we watch Fox News? Do we listen to the Republicans? Do we listen to the Democrats? Is it from the White House? Is it on YouTube? Is it on Good Morning America? I mean, what is truth? We all want truth, but sometimes we fail to look at God's word as the truth. And I believe as a pastor who cares about you and loves you, that the only source of truth for your life is going to come from God's word. And that's why you need to be familiar with it. It's the source. It's the thing which all other truth is measured against. So if I believe that, and maybe you believe that, the logical thing is that we would familiarize ourselves with it, right? That we would read it and study it. I want you to notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 about the Bible. This is a reference to God's word. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So God's word is kind of like a, a, a sword, but when you think of a sword, I want you to think in terms of a scalpel more than a weapon, okay? Because God's word has the ability to do this beautiful thing in our lives. It has this ability to convict us. It has the ability to know that you're dealing with something that, that, that you may think no one else deals with. It has the ability to speak right into your heart, right into your situation, right into the very question that you're asking. I have a friend who recently had 
surgery because he's had uh, throat cancer. And the doctors went into his throat and took a scalpel and cut part of it out and, and removed it. And so we think of that in terms of like, ooh, a knife or, or a, a scalpel, that, that can be painful or that can hurt. But if you think of a, a surgeon and a scalpel, they actually take that and cut part of that and do a very good thing. They're actually trying to make you better. And the analogy in that passage is that the word of God is very much the same. Because without the word of God, with, without that, who is to say what's right and who is to say what's wrong? Who is to say what truth is? Because I don't know if you've noticed, but it's interesting if you study history, culture, when culture determines what's truth and what's right and wrong, many times it changes and it fluctuates. And if you don't believe me, there was a time in our nation not too long ago when we said, when culture said slavery was acceptable. That wasn't that long ago, and culture said it's acceptable. There was a time in our culture when they said women didn't have the right to vote, and that was perceived as the right thing to do. There was a time in our culture when black people had to sit at the back of the bus, and culture said that was okay. It's really scary when culture starts dictating truth, because it fluctuates, it changes, it moves, and just because everyone on TV and the news and in the paper and the internet thinks something is right or something is wrong, it doesn't mean that it's truth. Only God's word is the thing that we come back to that's unchanging, that is full of truth, that never wavers, that doesn't go with culture, that doesn't go with the times. God's word is unchanging and reveals truth. Here's another reason that you need to read your Bible. Reading the Bible shows you God's direction. Reading the Bible shows you God's direction. Now flip over to the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 119. As you do that, I'm going to tell you a story. This is a true story that happened in our house, I would say probably six or seven years ago. We had gotten a small dog, and we had this problem with our little dog uh, having accidents in our daughter's bedroom. And I don't know why she would pick that bedroom, but there was a specific bedroom that she always had the accidents in. So my wife comes up with this great idea that she puts a, a little gate, like an infant gate, in front of their room to keep the dog out, which was a marvelous idea because it actually worked and the dog wouldn't go in that room and then the dog wouldn't have accidents. Now, I don't exactly understand that. I can't get in the mind of a dog and figure that out, but I know, so we had that. So anyway, one night, it's probably 3 a.m. in the morning, one of our daughters has a bad dream, cries out in the middle of the night. My wife nudges me, go in there and check, go, go see what's wrong. So you have to know I don't wake up very quickly and I can uh, be in like a zombie sort of state. So I know my house and I kind of know the, the way around it. So I get up and go out of my bedroom and go into their bedroom. It's pitch black, but I know that there's a doorway there. What I failed to remember was there was an infant gate across the door. And so as I'm walking in the zombie sort of state, about two inches below my knee as I'm walking, this thing hits me and I fall flat on my face right in the middle of the room. At that point, I have like no idea what happened. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what planet I'm on. How did I get there? My wife comes running in and I'm rolling over and I realize that obviously there's a gate in the middle of the door that I did not see. And uh, now everyone in the house is awake trying to figure out what's, what's happening, what's going on. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because I believe a lot of us live our lives like we're walking around in our house with the lights off and we think we know our way because we're kind of familiar with things around us. But 
we get tripped up on things that we do not see and things that go on in our world. And we live our lives like that because God's word reveals things to us that we don't see necessarily without that truth. In Psalm 119, verse 105, that verse says, your word, and that's talking about the Bible, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And if I would have had a light that night, I might not have tripped and fallen on my face in the, in the girl's bedroom. But the Bible provides direction for each of us, and God reveals his design will and his plan for us when we interact with God's word. All right, reason number four. Reading the Bible prepares you for God's service. I want us to look at a passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3. One of the core values we have here as a church is to serve and lead. You may have heard me talk about that. You may have heard Matt talk about that. We believe as a church, we're Exodus Church for Bloomington. So we serve people in Bloomington. So tonight, doing dinner at the Genesis House for the guests is a way that we look at helping as a community, our church serves and leads, we, we lead out. So reading the Bible equips you to be able to serve in the way that God has called you to serve. And the Bible says that all of us have different gifts, talents, strengths that we've been given for the purpose of serving God's kingdom and God's people. So this is how Paul states it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 17. He writes, But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and I've become convinced of, because you know that those from who you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebu- rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now notice verse 17. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, When you understand God's word, when you are in God's word, when you are learning and being fed from God's word, God is equipping you to use the skills and talents that you've been given and to serve God's kingdom and to be a part of serving the church and serving others. Because reading the Bible is to your spiritual life what exercise is to your cardiovascular system. So we understand that physically. We understand that, hey, I'm going to do this marathon. So, you know, it's coming up in a few weeks. I better get off the couch. I better quit eating a bag of potato chips every day. And I better start exercising. We would understand that plan. Well, the same is true in the spiritual world with with knowing God's word. Because when we know God's word, we spend time in God's word. It helps us to be equipped to serve. The very same principle works. Now, fifth reason. Reading the Bible calibrates your thinking to God's plan. Reading the Bible calibrates your thinking to God's plan. Calibration is the adjustment to a certain standard. Okay, so when you calibrate something, you're taking something that's maybe not in line with something and you're, you're aligning it with something that's a standard. Let me give you a couple examples. If you're a musician, you understand this because it's tuning a musical instrument, right? You've seen guitar players and uh, they, they tune through twisting those little things on the end. If you were in band as a kid and played a saxophone or trumpet, you understand about tuning. Maybe you've seen someone tune a piano. But you know, if, if there's an orchestra, everyone has to be in tune. There has to be this, this source 
of truth that everyone has to align themselves with. And so when we read God's word, we are calibrating our thinking to God's plan and God's truth. Same thing would be true with the alignment of the wheels on your car. Okay, you can have the alignment adjusted so that all the wheels are straight and go in the same direction. Have you ever gone down the road and seen a car that's so far out of alignment that the car's actually kind of going sideways? Like, I noticed that and I pointed out to my kids and they're never really impressed, but I'm like, look at that guy in the truck. He's driving the truck like this. He's going down the road. But you can look at it from behind and you're like, that thing is not straight. Either the frame's bent, the alignment's out, but like all four wheels are not going in the right direction. That's very similar to our lives when we're really not in God's word because we do not have the ability ourselves to calibrate our lives to God's plan. It's only when we're in God's word that we can do that. Now, in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a a verse that you may have heard before, this is what Paul says. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then here's why. Because after you do that, he says, then, then, after you've conformed no longer to the pattern of this world, after you transform your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You will know God's will, he says. You will be able to recognize God's will. You will discover God's will. And you will be immersed in the truth of scripture that reveals to us God's will. And the biggest problem today, as, as I present all this information, the biggest question that hits all of us in the face is the question are, of, am I going to trust God's word or not? Am I going to trust God's word or not? Because if we trust God's word, then we need to be in God's word. And let me just say this for example, for a moment. If you're here today and you're like, I don't know if I really believe God's word. I don't, I don't know if I'm convinced. Bible really is true. That is okay, and I'm glad that you're here, because you know what? God is not offended by your questions. God is not offended by your desire to uh, want to know what the truth is. But let me just say this to you. Let me encourage you to keep searching and keep investigating what that truth is. I think one of the things that the evil one does the best of is as soon as we have questions, say, well, there's a question. Okay, I don't believe any of that because I have a question. Or I quit. I won't give up. I won't look into it anymore. No, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to wonder. It's okay. But, but God would want you to search out the truth, to search out and keep seeking and searching. Don't just drop it. Don't just give up. Not that quick. Dig and dig. It's okay also to be unfamiliar with God's word. It's not okay to remain unfamiliar with God's word because God wants you to know his word. He wants you to discover his will. So I want to shift now and wrap things up and give you some really very, very practical advice on how do you do that. Maybe you're hearing this today and you're like, you know what, Dan, I really don't read my Bible hardly ever or not very often or I, I need to do a better job, but how? I mean, where do I start? What, what do I do? And I'm going to share with you a very easy to remember three-step process that was shared to me a long, long time ago by a man who was very, very wise. And you can remember it. And if it's something that helps you, jumpstarts you, gets you involved in God's word, I think it will be beneficial, okay? And here, it, here's what it is. It's a time, a place, and a plan. A time, a place, and a plan. Time, a place, and a plan. First of all, if you want to get in God's word, develop a time. 
develop a time that's consistent for you. Some of you are morning people. Some of you are nighttime people. I know people who get up first thing and they read their Bible. I know people who read their Bible before they go to bed at night. I know people who read their Bible on their lunch hour. I know people who read their Bible during a break in between classes. I know people that read it at different times. Does not matter what time you get into God's word. You need to find a time that works for you. So you find the time. What time, what does your body schedule, work schedule, class schedule, all that, what works for you? Find a time, find the time that works, and stick to that time. Develop a consistent time that works for you. All right, that's any, any time. There's no bad time, just whatever works. So you develop a time, then you develop a place. I think if you have a consistent place where you read God's word, if it's something where you say, I've got this time, now here's this place. It can be anywhere. It can be at your kitchen table. It can be in your bedroom. It can be outside. It can be on the IU campus. It can be in a park. It can be anywhere. But if you have a time and you have a place, you are going to be much more consistent with getting in God's word if you have those two things. And you know what? Experiment with different times and different places. Find what works for you. But once you have a time, once you have a place, then you need to have a plan. Okay? And when I say plan, um, a lot of people look at the word of God and they take a Bible and it's like three inches thick and you're like, wow. And you start reading in the book of Genesis and then somewhere around Leviticus, you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I am totally lost. I have no idea what's going on. I have totally lost all my motivation to read this book. Um, there are probably better ways for you to do that. There are better ways for you. And on the back of your purple sheet, I've actually listed some suggestions on the bottom. If you're really serious and you want some ways to get into God's word and, um, with the internet, there are some amazing resources at your tips that did not exist 10 years ago. And two of them I will quickly uh, point out. Uversion.com is a website. It also has different versions of the Bible. The thing I like about Uversion, I read it. Um, it has reading plans. They have hundreds of reading plans. So if you say, I want to read the Bible in a year. I want to read the New Testament in a year. I want to read about forgiveness for the next 30 days. I want to, you choose whatever you want. And it will actually send you an email every day with what you're supposed to read that day. And you can check it off. And I don't know, I'm a checkoff person. I don't know, it makes me feel like I've accomplished something if I like check something off. And then if you don't read it in three days, it'll send you an email telling you, you've not read this in three days. You need to remember. To me, that's great because I need reminders. I need help. But I'm a person that if I have a plan, I do better. If I, if I, if I, if I plan it all out, it helps me. So I use version every day. I wake up and in my inbox is the reading. There's also a smartphone app, a tablet app. You can go to it. You can read from any of those. Check it off. It keeps track of it. It's a beautiful thing. BibleGateway.com is another one that has versions of the Bible online. Uh, I listed another one on there. Uh, I've known people that have, uh, getting into God's word, read a different proverb for whatever day of the month that it is. So today's the 22nd. So if you read Proverbs chapter 22, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So you can read a chapter a day. Proverbs is full of wisdom, full of wisdom. Sometimes on Proverbs, you can read one verse and sit and think about that and ask God what that verse means. And there's some deep, powerful things in the book of Proverbs. I also mentioned on here, on your purple sheet, read a chapter of the New Testament each day. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with the Bible, start in the New Testament. Pick one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Those four are the Gospels of Jesus. Pick one of them, read it, 
and then uh, move to a different book. If you have questions about that, you can find me. You can talk to Matt. You can find one of our elders. Find, we, we will get you in touch with someone. But if you develop a time, a place, and a plan, a time, a place, and a plan, and just chip away. The other thing is when we look at God's word, I think many times it becomes overwhelming. You're like, I don't understand a lot of it. I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to do. But it's just like a diet. It's just like exercise. Spend five minutes a day. If you spend five minutes a day, for me in the mornings, if I can focus and I get my reading plan from you version and I read it and it's a small devotion and then it has a Bible scripture that goes with it, I'm like, spend some time praying, thinking about that. I'm like, God, okay, I feel like my head's clear. I'm ready to go. But again, God's word recalibrates us. It brings us back. And when we talk about discovering God's will, we want this, these, this answer to these questions. We want God to show us his will. It happens when we get into God's word. Because if God's word is a divine source of guidance, it is the only way that we will be able to log in, get connected, be online with what God wants to say with us. We have all of these wonderful resources at, at our fingertips. And if you don't have a Bible, there is a, a, a table over here in the back and you are welcome to take one of those Bibles with you. We wouldn't no one to ever be without a Bible. But God's word is the way that he reveals truth, the way he shows us service, the way he recalibrates our lives, the way he equips us, and we will never fully discover God's will for our lives unless we're tapped into what God is saying in his word. Let's pray. Father, uh, I know the things that I've said today in the challenge, uh, for some of us, it's uh, stuff that we already know. Uh, for others, maybe it's um, a new challenge. But Father, uh, I acknowledge and confess that it's a lot easier to say this stuff than it is to always do it. And I know in my own life, um, Father, the times when I'm not connected to your word and when I don't spend time uh, connected to your word, I definitely can see that in the way that my life plays out. And Father, when we talk about discovering your will, I just pray for, uh, I pray for each person here that if they're not in your word, that they would discover the beautiful and the rich truths that you share through the Bible and that they would develop a time, a place, and a plan to open up your word and not only read it, but then to allow you to speak and to pour into their hearts and into their lives. We thank you that we have this resource of truth, the Bible. Father, I thank you that it never changes. It's not like it wavers from one way to the next. Father, it speaks truth that is timeless and will be timeless and reveals to us how our lives can be changed by knowing your son, Jesus. And that is our prayer. Amen. We're going to move into a time of communion and Christina's going to come up and she's going to play again. And let me tell you how that works here at Exodus. I'll say a brief prayer in a moment, then there will be people that will be up here to my right, here at the center, here at the left. They'll take the bread, they'll take the juice. At whatever point you feel uh, comfortable, you come up front, take a piece of the bread, dip it in the juice. You can take it there or you can take it back to your seat. We do this every week because Jesus told us to do this and when we do it to remember him. So the elements represent 
The bread represents his body that was nailed to a cross. The juice is symbolic of his blood that was poured out when he died on the cross for our sins. And then later we know in the story he rose from the dead. And so we have eternal life because of that. So we celebrate that and we remember it together as a church body. At the same time, there'll be people back here in the prayer room which is to your right through the double doors. And if you want to go back there, if you have anything that you want to be prayed for, they would love to pray for you. If you have a spiritual question, a spiritual decision, there'll be people back there that would love to help you out. And you know, I just, no one back